Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The more, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? Addition, as the Bengals add more speed and more strength on defense with day two picks Cam Taylor-Britt and Zach Carter. Coming up, you'll hear from both players, get analysis from head coach Zach Taylor and defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo, and then I'll discuss those picks and look ahead to the final day of the draft with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the Mad Max Burrito. There are a lot of good burritos in Cincinnati, but for my money, the best is the Mad Max available at Habanero, a Latin American restaurant on Ludlow Ave in Clifton. The Mad Max is a fish burrito. It includes fried tilapia, pinto beans, rice, cheddar cheese, lettuce, shredded cabbage, and habanero's white sauce. It's delicious and roughly the size of a regulation NFL football. So, if you are a big burrito fan of big burritos, check out my favorite, the Mad Max. Now, let's get to day two of the draft. In four out of the last five years, the Bengals have traded back in the second round, but this year they moved up three spots, sending their second and sixth round draft picks to Buffalo to take Nebraska cornerback Cam Taylor-Britt, number 60 overall. Here's Zach Taylor on the decision to trade up. You know, he's just a guy we identified that we really wanted to come away with, and and so to risk sitting there for three more picks when maybe some corner-needy teams would jump up and and I like him as well. We, we just didn't want to risk that. Taylor Britt was a three-year starter at Zach Taylor's alma mater, who had six interceptions and 21 pass breakups in 41 career games. We see him as, as an outside corner coming here and compete, and we had him in here a couple weeks ago. Love, love everything he's about, love his energy, love his athleticism, his size, his speed. Uh, really competitive guy. Got great feedback from from talking to people about him. So really excited to get Cam over here and get back to work. Taylor Britt ran a 4.3840 at the Combine, the same time posted by first-round draft pick Dax Hill. But Taylor Britt is also known for his hard-hitting physical style of play. Here's defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. You know, I think that's one of the first things that jumps off the tape is um, – He's going to be a guy that, um, you know, he's not going to be afraid and he's going to go in there and get guys on the ground. It's, it's just so important with all the perimeter plays we see these days. So um, you see it right away from this guy. Despite having the top five players in their secondary back from last year's Super Bowl team, the Bengals clearly prioritized adding depth by using their first two draft picks on defensive backs. As a 17-game season goes on and you go into the playoffs, um, that depth is critical. You know, how many teams do we see that, you know, come in December in these critical games and they're down, you know, a couple DBs and, and they're, they're pulling guys off the practice squad. And so I, I think it's, it's great competitiveness, like Lou mentioned, just for all of our guys. 
Um, but but you're going to need that depth of the course of, of the long seasons that we're going to have to endure. Kind of just to follow up on that question with, with uh, and Zach's answer is, you know, we play so many different things where there's going to be six and sometimes seven DBs out on the field at one time. No other position on the field, offense or defense, is going to do that. So it's just so critical to have uh, you know depth there for sure in, in today's NFL. Taylor Britt visited Paul Brown Stadium several weeks ago and came away thinking there was a good chance he would be drafted by Cincinnati. So he was thrilled to get the phone call from former Nebraska quarterback Zach Taylor. Man, honestly, man, I was just so excited I couldn't even say any words. <laughs> well, it was definitely, man. It was just a dream come true. You could say uh, my visit there was amazing. Uh, you know, and just to even get picked up by a team, especially the Bengals, is you know surreal to me right now. And even though Coach, you know, Zach, he played at the. That the, the great university of Nebraska, man, makes it even better. The Nebraska coaches compared Taylor Britt to another former Cornhusker, Bengals wide receiver and special teams ace Stanley Morgan, who's known for his positive attitude and competitiveness. Taylor Britt says, in his case, that goes beyond the football field. Honestly, man, I just want to be first. <laughs> and that's in everything I do. I don't care if we're playing, you know, badminton or, you know, tennis. Soccer, I, I don't know. You know, any sport possible. I always want to be first, and I promise you that once I come in there and get in that deep room, they'll feel my presence. You know, just because I'm, I'm competitive, dog, I love it. You know, you say I can't do something, I'll show you that I can, and it's always been like that. He even looks forward to going one-on-one at practice with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. That was the first thing I thought about. I can't wait. <laughs> Honestly, man, like I said, like Coach said, I, you know, I bring the juice at practice, and it's just like the game. And you feel me? Like, just going against those top receivers like that and just helping my game so much to where, you know, guarding other receivers won't be as hard. Uh, I can't wait to get out there and, you know, actually you know, get to practicing one-on-ones with those guys. Now we move to third-round draft pick Zach Carter, a 6'4", 282-pound defensive tackle out of the University of Florida. In 46 games with the Gators, Carter had 17 and a half sacks, including eight last year, as well as 28 and a half tackles for loss in his career. The Athletics draft guru Dane Brugler listed Carter as a sixth-round pick, but Anarumo explains why the Bengals are excited to get him in round three. I think it's the uh, the, um, the way he got to the quarterback. You know, and you, when you, you value that over everything, um, you know, when you're when you're looking at guys like that. So, you know, and again, when you're doing it in the SEC, you're doing it, you know, as I said, the highest level. So he's shown he can do it, and, um, you know, it stood out to us. The Bengals' biggest loss from last year's defense was defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi. Zach Taylor says they're not expecting Carter to fill his shoes. We've got high regard for Larry, and he had a ton of production for us, and um, so, you know, th- this is more about just adding another player at the position that we feel can come in and compete. But um, to say someone's going to walk in and fill Larry's shoes is, is tough to say. Ogunjobi finished third on the team with seven sacks, and Anarumo hopes that Carter can be one of several players who can pressure opposing quarterbacks right up the middle. You know, those quarterbacks don't like pressure inside, you know, around their feet in their face, you know, and that also helps it push it to the outside guys. So uh, it's critical to, you know, you're always r- trying to rush together as a group and uh, it can it can only benefit uh, the whole the whole defense, especially the guys up front. Carter says he expected to be a day two draft pick and admits it was a relief when Cincinnati selected him number 95 overall. I knew I was going today, but I'm not going to lie, man, I was really, I was, you know, it's, it, it, 
it kind of aches you just sitting there waiting and guys are being called. But I stayed, I stayed patient. And once I got that call, man, that just made my whole life, like, my life is made. Carter was a two-year starter at Florida and was used in a variety of spots on the D-line. I feel like Bengals fans should be excited because I'm a versatile playmaker. I can line up pretty much anywhere, and I feel like I can make plays from pretty much anywhere, rushing the passer in the run game. I'm a disruptive defender. I like to disrupt plays in the backfield. I like to penetrate, you know, so I think it's a lot to look forward to. And the thing he likes most is sacking the quarterback. You know, I live for that, man. Like I'm always hunting. I look at it as a lion, just hunting for his prey. Like, I got to get to that quarterback, man. You know, that's what, that's what, that's what changes games. So the Bengals' first three draft picks have all been on defense. The team will undoubtedly add somebody on offense when the Bengals make their final four picks on Saturday. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This past season, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the year with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Now, time to recap Day 2 of the Draft with Dave Lapham. All right, Lap, three rounds of the draft are in the books. The Bengals have selected three players. They have all been on the defensive side of the ball. Are you at all surprised? No. Um, I felt that uh, it was just going to be the reverse this year of what it's been the last couple of years. You spend over $100 million in free agency in your defense, and, and uh, offensively you attack the other side of the football. I mean, in the draft you attack the other side of the football, which was offensive. And now this year, with it spending on Hurst at tight end and three potential starting offensive linemen, stands to reason that uh, you're going to pay a lot of attention to the defense. And, and really, when you look at it, like uh, Lou Anarumo said before the draft, you don't have to be a football Einstein to realize you know, we're, we're short at corner. And they addressed it with uh, their first two picks. Very uh, versatile players can play. Both have played safety and corner. So um, it's almost like positionless versatility that Lou Anarumo craves. And then, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, third round, to get a three technique, they're down a man with Larry Ogunjobi. I mean, literally down a man. And his style of play is very similar. I'm not saying that he's going to put up the numbers production-wise that Ogan Joby, but he's did and does. But he's uh, he's kind of cut from the same cloth. Uh, he's uh, he's a guy that has that that first step quickness, that explosiveness, that uh, invert the line of scrimmage, penetrate, disrupt, plays with a lot of uh, fire and a high energy kind of guy. Uh, that that all sounds like Larry Ogan Joby and his. One of the skill sets that he's proud of is, you know, the interior sacks, and that's Larry Ogunjobi. So uh, he's got <laughs> a very, very high bar to reach for with Ogunjobi's level of play here. But um, hopefully he'll, he can step up and and, uh, and add to what they've got in that rotation inside a defensive tackle. That was, a, that was in my mind, uh, as, as big a need as such uh, that the team had. 
Let's go back to second-round draft pick Cam Taylor Britt, a cornerback out of Nebraska with a bubbly personality. You could hear the smile. If it's possible to hear a smile, uh, we could do it when we had the opportunity to talk to him. The Bengals thought highly enough of him to trade up in the second round. They normally trade down in the second round. This time they moved up three spots. They gave up their sixth-round draft pick and obviously their second-round pick, uh, sending those two to Buffalo in order to move up three, sp- three spots and get the Cornhusker, Cam Taylor-Britt, with 4.38 speed in the 40. Yeah, and, and uh, that's the thing that I think jumps out uh, at me is, is when you look at both, the, uh, both of these defensive backs, Dax Hill and uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, both of them run four three eight. I mean, they have gotten faster defensively, and and that's what it's all about, you know, in the National Football League, particularly in the AFC North, where you have these quarterbacks that you know can really be dual threats. And if they, you know, get into open spaces, it's good to have speed, and it's also good to have speed to you know to spy them as many different ways as you can spy them. Yeah, you know, you're always even if you're not spying, you have one eye on that uh, on that mobile quarterback and. And uh, to be able to close ground on on guys like that is big. The other thing, I mean, these guys obviously are versatile. Uh, Both can play press. Both can play off. uh, Both have played safety. Both have played slot corner. Uh, One has played more outside corner than the other. But it seems like uh, interchangeable drill bits as such to a certain extent. Uh, And the other thing is the physicality that both of them have. And, And in this division, uh, you got to figure Pittsburgh is, is going to try to establish a running game to be as balanced as they can offensively to take the pressure off their quarterback. And the Cleveland Browns have a solid offensive line and as good a two-headed monster at running back as anybody in the league. So you have to be able to handle very diverse, multiple types of attacks, you know. And uh, with that said, I thought it was interesting, you know, I asked uh, about nickel defense has turned into the new base. And that's on a league-wide basis. And I didn't realize that, you know, Lou said they were in the – Luan Rumo said in the presser that they were in nickel defense 70% of the time last year, mm-hmm. which is surprising to me when you look at these offensive uh, approaches, you know, within the division. So teams are still trying to spread the football field, and, you know, they'll run it by spreading the football field, unloading the box. They'll run it some, but you have to, you have to hold up. You have to match up with their weapons that they're spreading the football field with. And uh, the one thing that I, I think uh, I'm, not as, I'm not as sure about uh, uh, Brit, Cameron Britt Taylor, Cam Britt Taylor, he can get Taylor Britt. Uh, Taylor Britt, sorry. Cam Taylor Britt gets off blocks. I mean, he sheds blocks and, and is, is very physical in that regard. Uh, Dax Hill isn't, he's no, um, you know, weak sister in that category as well. They both – don't stay blocked. They get off blocks, and then you know we'll close very rapidly to make make plays. So, bottom line is you got three guys uh, with your first three selections that are going to improve the defense by strict competition, and competition breeds excellence performance. Coaches, that's all they look for, is to have competition in in the room. When you know you're on the chalkboard, and when you're installing, and you know how well is are guys going to absorb and retain competition in the weight room, competition on the football field, competition everywhere, and uh, and and these guys, you know, bring it. And Kim uh, Taylor Britt is uber competitive. I mean, he was 
he was flashing that in his. He's ready for Chase and Higgins in practice. No doubt, he's ready. Like you said, you know, tiddlywinks. He wants to win it, whatever, whatever endeavor he's uh, he's competing in. He wants to win it. So, um, you know, he was looking. To, he said to knock Stanley Morgan out when Stanley was was at Nebraska because he was the he was the stud. He was the star wide receiver. So, uh, you know, he's gonna he's gonna bring a lot of energy on a day to day basis uh, to. Uh, to the locker room and, and to the football field for for practice, and it, it's it's gonna it's gonna help when the the dog days of summer set in at training camp, uh, in, or as the season mid season sometimes, man, it just starts to get long, you know. And a guy like that, energy people like that, are a big plus. There's no question. As you noted, Lou Anarumo gave you the stat that the Bengals were in their nickel defense 70% of the time last year. They've got those five defensive backs all back. Chidabe Awuje, Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, Von Bell, Jesse Bates, and yet their top two draft picks were more members of the secondary, which goes to show the nature of the NFL these days with how often teams pass and also how badly you need depth in those spots. And also, um, you know, the increase in speed. I love Mike Hilton. You know, Mike Hilton is a great slot corner, outstanding blitzer. He's not a four-three-eight. You know, and and that that will give you a different look, just by putting you know substituting putting one guy in uh, for another. And it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, when they are playing slot corner, if they can blitz as effectively as Mike. Mike does an outstanding job in that area, and Mike is very savvy. With his coverage, um, but you know the, the the biggest thing that uh, that you like to have is a cornerback that can flip his hips and run, mm-hmm. and not have the ball thrown over his head. And uh, so it's, it's gonna you you, you put you, you have a safety out there running four three eight, and, and if if uh, if a team goes five wides and they have two slot receivers, you could potentially have two guys in there one safety slash slot corner the other corner slash slot corner run four three eight to cover on the inside not bad not bad i mean you can match up with a with a lot of uh you know a lot of offensive configurations and uh pattern trees and all that stuff that way Let's circle back to third-round draft pick Zach Carter, the defensive tackle from Florida. 17 and a half sacks as an interior pass rusher in his career, including eight last year in the SEC. The Bengals have two members of last year's draft class who didn't get to play due to injury, most notably Joseph Osai coming back. So you're adding depth as edge rushers from those guys and maybe more later in the draft, but now you're adding depth as an interior pass rusher uh those are those are important additions to this roster again speaking to the depth that you absolutely need absolutely no question about it and uh you know the two the two third round and seventh round pick last year Osai and Hubert I mean they're both high effort high energy guys uh Hubert is not as not as maybe stature wise not as big and majestic or whatever that's why he's a seventh-round pick, but the guy is a blue-collar, get after it. Um, and, and, you know, once you start to get to the fifth, sixth, seventh round in this year's draft, that's the type of guy that's going to that's gonna be there available. And they're all good football players. Well, you already got one. And Osai, I think, is going to be – I think he's got some talent. I think he's got some uniqueness and, and special qualities. So, you know, those guys are going to be added to the mix. But I, I can tell you that when – 
we were being coached as interior offensive linemen, our offensive line coach, whoever it was when I was playing in the NFL, is, look, you know, you guys got to hold up inside. And that's the shortest distance to the quarterback. That's we can't allow to give push to the quarterback. You can't allow the, the, the pocket to collapse in the quarterback where he has no vision down the football field. So it doesn't necessarily have to result in a sack, although that's, that's obviously the prime deal right there. I mean, that's showbiz, uh, quarterback sacks. But if you can make him uncomfortable, um, not be able to see, have to guess where he has to put the football, you know, not, not see a spot, specific spot where he wants to throw the football, um, you know, make him hesitant about his mechanics fluidly, you know, geez, am I going to hit my hand on a helmet when I'm following through? All those kind of things are, are factors, are big deals. And if, if, this, if this can be a, a factor, if, uh, if Zach Carter can cause that problem <laughs> and make quarterbacks uncomfortable with interior pass rush, and, you know, now they're getting, they're getting good pressure off the edge, so now the quarterback has to step up. And, you know, it's, it's like the hand fit in the glove. Zach Carter and others, hopefully with that interior pass rush, no place to step up to. So um, it takes, you know, it, it, it takes a unit to rush the passer effectively, and he's going to have an impact on it. There's no doubt. All right. One day of the draft left. The Bengals have four picks remaining, a fourth, a fifth, and two sevenths. They gave up their sixth to Buffalo. Are there a couple of position groups that, that you think they need to attack on day three? Well, I, you know, I, as the before the draft uh, started, you know, I, I had my kind of a little bit of a, a wish list of, uh, of what, they, what they might accomplish on the draft. And, uh, you know, I, I, at some point I thought, boy, if they could get two corners, well, in my opinion, they already have. Um, and, you know, call it a corner safety, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. I think they've got two defensive backs, two members of the back end. I uh, wanted to see if they could f- fill in for the spot that Ogan Joby had vacated as, as a defensive tackle. So I, I would like them to still maybe find an edge guy to, to compete and complement that. Um, you know, maybe an interior offensive lineman to, to get in the, in the mix of, of that one opening. Uh, in, the, in the starting group, quote, as such, is, is at the left tackle position. Left guard. Uh, excuse me, left guard position. But they, um, you know, they've got basically three guys that they drafted uh, last year, second, fourth, and sixth round, that can compete for that position. So uh, it's not like they're undermanned uh, to, to find somebody that could, you know, hold the fort in that, in that spot. But I, I would like them to, you know, still maybe – add to that competition as such um and that fourth wide receiver you know if they could come up with something to compete with that uh and and it can happen because you know marvin jones was a fifth round draft pick i mean it's not like it hasn't happened in franchise history tj hishman's out a seventh round Yep, tj in the seventh so there's there's a definitely you know cases and instances of it now just lost a couple of you know late picks with this trading up but I, I think that that was a, that was a, a big deal. I think to to try to plug that hole, and, and I don't know if you totally plug it, but Ogunjobi was so uh, his performance was pretty darn spectacular, and you, you need you need another you're down a guy. You need another guy in that rotation. So um, yeah, I, I think I think those are the those are the areas that I'd like to see. And then you know, I think I think if they were going to get a punter. 
Um, they probably already lost their chance, although I don't think he's been drafted yet. But the, the best punter, the kid out of San Diego, man, that, that dude, I mean, I think if you, nobody takes him in the fourth round, I, I think that's where he's going to go. This guy is ridiculous. How he, the punt guy. Oh, my gosh. How he dictates and flips field position. And um, he can kick it. His kickoffs are unbelievable, as well as his uh, long-range field goals. But you know that's that, that's pie in the sky. But um, you know I, I'm pretty pleased with uh, their first three picks because it addressed I think the defensive needs. I th- in my mind, there's and, and needs are dramatic. I think you just you you want to address it in terms of depth. But if they could find a, an edge guy, it'd be great. For, for that side of the football, and then you can maybe fill in with an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, and that'd be a pretty solid draft. Tight end, yeah, tight end possibly, but I mean, you look at it and it's uh, the creme de la creme is gone. Yeah, it is. Um, and <laughs> the one you signed in free agency was the 25th pick of the draft, mm-hmm. first rounder, uh, Hayden Hurst, and you know the other one's a second round pick, Drew Sample. So you, you've got um, highly uh, high, high, basically, you know, picks high, a lot of uh, a lot of capital spent mm-hmm. on stocking that uh, that position group. So there's if if there's somebody there though, uh, and and the tight end's on the board, and he's a better option than the interior offensive lineman. Wouldn't hurt my feelings if they went tight end. No question about it. And you know, and you know, they've done a really good job over the years too of identifying. The uh, college free agents that that slip through the cracks and and get go after them, and so I think some of these positions may be addressed in that regard as well. One last thing, and I'll let you go. The Bengals announced on Friday that they are giving uh, Jonah Williams the fifth year option, uh, which he was up for as a first round draft pick. That means he will be in Cincinnati for at least two more years, this year and next year. He'll make about $3 million this year, and by getting that fifth-year option, he jumps to $12.6 million next year. Was that a no-brainer in your opinion? I think the graph is definitely going up, you know, and uh, I, I think with the 11th pick in the draft and, and the way he works and the way I think that he is improving, um, I, I think you want to you see how it ends. <laughs> You, you don't want to cut it short, mm-hmm. um, but but I do think that uh, he, he's he's got a journey left, and, and I think he knows it. And there's he's still, I mean, he's past his floor, but his ceiling's still there for him to try to reach and, and grab at. Um, I think he's a quality player. I think he's a he's a quality teammate. I think there's a lot of good things about Jonah Williams, uh, you know, in the locker room on the football field, in the weight room, you know, wherever, wherever it is, he's, he's impactful. Um, and does it, does it in a business-like fashion. Um, he's not demonstrative. He's not, hey, look at me kind of guy. He's, he's just, uh, he's a good teammate. And, and the th- first and foremost, though, you have to be able to play. And I think he can. I think he's, uh, I think he's shown that he's capable, and I think he's going to get better. I appreciate you sticking around late for this podcast. The listeners appreciate it as well. Thank you. No problem, sir. Thank you. I will post a new episode to wrap up the draft that will be available when you wake up on Sunday morning. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. 
It's free-to-play, next-level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.